0: Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and today my guest is James Santor. He is the Chief of Staff at 76 Capital. He is also a former Division I pitcher for LaSalle University. I had an absolute blast talking to James because he loves what he does so much that I don't care what he's talking about. I do care what he's talking about. But his passion, his energy, everything that he came with was so much, so much, just so much fun to listen to was an absolute blast so i don't need to do too much more talking you guys have heard the episodes with wayne kimmel with jessica david if you haven't go check those out but here is james santor of 76 capital yes! All right. Today, my special guest on um, For the Love of Sports is James Santor, Chief of Staff at 76 Capital. Uh, that name sounds familiar. It's because I've had a few people from over there on, and now I get the head honcho himself, James. Yeah. He is a former Division One pitcher for LaSalle University. Appreciate you hanging out with me today, man.
1: And thanks for having me on, Michael. It's uh, great to talk to you and uh, looking forward to sharing a little bit about my story and what we're doing at 76.
0: Very excited for it, man. You and I met, um, I don't know, I want to say it was probably a little, like right around a year ago, uh, there was a pretty cool event at the 4040 Club uh, where Jay-Z spends yeah. a little bit of his time. So we, uh, we hung out there for a minute. That's where we got to meet and now, uh, now we're here together, which is always fun. So James, the que- first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much?
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you know I don't think people really think about enough, but it's it's really the the great equalizer, and you know you can meet somebody from a different country, you know, completely different, like it, it just brings everybody together. Uh, you know I think that sports is the kind of the one beacon of hope we all have, and I think that's kind of ever, you know it, it's more, you know it it really is like right now everybody's looking for something to do, looking for something to watch, and everybody's clamoring for more sports, and I think that. You know, the government was bringing together all the different, uh, you know, CEOs and presidents of all the different leagues the other day. And, you know, it's really when are we going to get sports back? And I think it's such an important thing because once sports are back, that's when normalcy is back as well. So, um, you know, I just think that it's a, it just brings everybody together. Uh, and it's, it's the best thing in the world, it really is
0: hundred percent. I could not agree more. And you, you make a good point. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind being quarantined in my house if I got to watch the Mets yeah. every day. Like that's really not that big a deal to me at that point. So, you know, it is, it's, it's really funny how you say that great equalizer brings everyone together beacon of hope. Um, I'm a Mets fan again. So, you know, we trade on the currency of hope. So I'm totally used to that and knowing exactly where you're coming from there. So it is a lot of fun for me. So I saw, I was doing just a little bit of research and found out that you play a little bit of uh, play a little ball yourself. Um at LaSalle university, I think that is is pretty darn cool i mean where where does how does baseball fit into your story and I guess at what point did you i mean playing division one man that's nothing to shy from.
1: I appreciate that and, and look it, I had a really unique kind of way of getting to LaSalle and just even you know my college career in general and you know, I, I' struggled with injuries kind of my whole life and every time that I would kind of get to a place where I was like oh, maybe I figured it out I would get hurt again so you know, I didn't even think I'd be able to play in college, frankly, and you know I was lucky enough to just work really hard to to get the opportunity to go there and play. Um, you know, I redshirted my freshman year just to develop a little bit. so I dealt with so many injuries and I finally learned how to throw strikes, which is a uh, was my major issue I had my most my career, but uh you know once I did that, I played in the summer league before my sophomore year and I actually ended up getting Tommy John surgery. so put my elbow going into my sophomore year after already redshirting and I had the best you know season of my life I was an all-star in a summer league I was really excited and it was certainly uh one of those things looking back that it was awful at the time but you know it was such an important piece of me moving forward in my career in business um I was able to have three internships in college and really the reason I was able to do that is because I got hurt and I was able to use that time instead of playing in a summer league or traveling for that I was using that time for an internship while I was rehabbing so um you know I came back my junior year I was able to play uh I Started I throw harder at first and then I popped out my shoulder. So, you know, I come back from one thing, I heard another thing, but you know, look, I, I still was able to play my junior year. Senior year I came back, I ended up throwing submarine actually. So yeah, so I, I made the switch to uh, throwing submarine uh, my senior year after blowing out my shoulder, after coming back from Tommy John. So certainly was a unique you know step in, in the career process there, but look, it was a, it was a good experience trying to learn how to know, throw a new way. And it certainly was a, yeah, it was it was a cool thing. It's a cool thing to be able to talk about now. Uh, I don't know if this part was was said already, but I, I hit more batters than any pitch, so I think I hold a division one record for that. So, uh, so it's not a good thing. It's a dubious honor, but uh, look, it, I was drilling people left and right. So, uh, you know, after after my baseball career was over, there was certainly no plans of uh, continuing after hitting you know 90% of division one I batters I, I saw that year. But uh, Dude, it was it was a great experience. But, what...
0: What do you do? I mean, first off, just to, I mean, who, whoever the coach was there, I mean, your stuff must've been nasty if someone wanted you pitch division one. So you were clearly doing something right, but how do you hit? What's like, what are you doing, man? How is that even possible?
1: So when I started throwing submarine, the ball was moving a in ton. So, you know, I was, it, nobody could hit it. Let's put it that way. Nobody could hit it, but I would hit them. So it was either a strikeout or a oh, uh, hit batter every single time. So, Look, it was uh, it was uh, it was basically me pitching against myself the entire time, which is exactly why it didn't work out so well. But you know, the things I learned from that, as far as just the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of of life, of sports and everything, it's really wanted a, a helpful hand in just understanding how the business world works. Because I think that you know, there's days where things are going so so good, and you think that you're gonna be on top of the world, and next thing you know, there's a global pandemic that happens and changes everything. So you know, and, and I think that's why, like, at 76 that we like to work with athletes so much is because, look, these guys have been through the ups and downs where, you know, you'll have a guy that, you know, if Brian Westbrook rushed for 150 yards against the Giants one day, the next game he's playing like a, you know, stalwart defense and he can only get 40 yards on the ground. It's like, how do you get over that hump? How do you say, you know what, I had a bad game, but the next one matters just, just as much as that one, so. You know, I think that when our guys talk about that um, with the entrepreneurs that we invest in, it, it really helps them out and put everything into perspective. So, you know, I had an interesting baseball career, but it certainly helped me in the long run.
0: That is that is crazy, man. I mean, I, I hope you're still in the record books for that, and that stays forever and always. Um, so we always have James Santor's record somewhere in the NCAA log when people are looking up those funny little stats. Hopefully, you come up on like Sports Jeopardy. Maybe Wayne knows enough people to kind of get you as a as an answer or a question in Sports Jeopardy. That would be pretty sweet. But um, yeah, man. I mean, I think that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, at least you got the opportunity to play the sport yeah. you love so much at least a little bit in college for better or for worse depending yeah. on other people's health i mean i don't know what's up with you man don't like never get on the ladder it sounds like because it sounds like you're gonna just like <laughs> every bone in your body at that point yeah, you know i'm not gonna say it but geez like is there like what were you doing that every single time you went out to pitch essentially you just blow something else out
1: yeah i mean it's funny because i've never had any other injuries besides my arm my elbow like my shoulder and my elbow um so it really just came down to that I threw like an idiot. Uh, you know, I'm undersized and I threw hard, so I put everything I had into every pitch, and uh, that's just not sustainable. So unfortunately, I didn't have anybody tell me, hey, you're kind of throwing like an idiot when I was yeah, at a younger age. So I just continued with those, uh, those mechanics. and next thing you know, that's how everything's popping out of my shoulder and, and tearing elbows. So, look, I actually somehow I'm able to play again now. I play in, like a, in a men's league with uh, a lot of my old teammates. It's really highly competitive. It's the oldest semi-pro baseball league in the country. Um, a lot of guys that are just finishing out their pro careers or college careers, whatever it is. And somehow I, can throw hard.
0: I play in a men's, uh, actually a co-ed uh, beer league softball, um, which is not very competitive at all, but that's how I get my competitive juices going, I guess. So we're,
2: we're it's essentially the same thing, right? Look, I cannot wait to get to do that at some point. I mean, that's, that's like the dream for, I think, every athlete or every person that loves sports to go to play in like a beer league like that. So you're doing it right. I, I think I need, I think I have one more year in me and then I can go do that
0: good for you man it's it's a lot of fun it's pretty funny especially if you're in like a pretty relaxed league i mean people try it's not like we're like loafing around but it's definitely much more relaxed much more uh uh calm i guess is a fun way to say it my team wasn't very good we won one game i think last year and we were blew out in a few so it is what it is and we rock and roll with it so at the end of your playing career obviously it was kind of injury riddled at least those last few years in college, which kind of stunk. I mean, you were setting records left and right for hits bat and Batman at, at what point, I mean, and now you're, even as you said, you're still playing, you're still getting some of that out, but what was it like kind of coming to the end and understanding like, all right, this is, this is kind of it for me playing competitive baseball. Cause even as you said, it wasn't, you really didn't see yourself going on uh, getting yeah. drafted or anything like that.
2: Yeah. And so it was really weird. So like when I had first gotten the, you know, my injury, I, you know, I had decided to start looking for an internship during that season. During the season, I was going to miss. So, uh, my coach had really helped me out, and I ended up with an internship at Five Below. So, at, five, at that point, Five Below, which for those of you who don't know, is one of the biggest retailers in the country right now. They're basically they're they're a dollar store on steroids. So they sell really really nice stuff for you know the maximum will be five dollars. So uh, they're based right here in Philly. Um, so. I joined the team there as an intern in finance and accounting right when they went public. So they had just gone public about a month before I joined. Um, And I was lucky enough to get that internship while I was still able to rehab and play baseball and do all that. Um, And I learned so much about the corporate environment, um, so much about how just a business operates, especially one that had just transitioned from private to public. So that internship that, again, happened when I was supposed to have like a breakout season type thing. Ended up being the best thing for me because I realized that this is something I want to pursue. As as much as I had always dreamed of being a professional baseball player, it became clear to me that wasn't an option. So, you know, working at a 5 below, working with an unbelievable team there, just loving the mission that they have, um, it it really made me realize that as much as I want to play pro ball, I could be professional in business and it could have the same fulfillment that I would have had otherwise. So, um, you know, as my career was ending, I really started shifting my focus and it sucks because it was during, it's a spring season. So when you're interviewing for jobs, you have to do it kind of during the season. So I was doing three to four interviews a week uh, towards the tail end of my career. Um, you know, I'd have to miss practices, miss the occasional weekday game, which was, you know, I didn't like doing that, but it worked out for me and, and I was able to find a, a really good role out of college. Um, I was a finance major um, and I ended up working at Independence Blue Cross, which is a a major um, insurer in the Philadelphia area. So I worked in, uh, in corporate finance there in the treasury department and, and managed a short-term investment portfolio of around $400 million right out of college. And I mean, I never even thought of that as an option. And it literally was one of those things where the person I interviewed with went to listen to that. they love sports. And the conversation we had was able to kind of mix the sports and the business side of things. So it really like, it was one of those things where it's like, look, you may not have, you know, the background we need to fill this position, but I believe because you played a sport, because you understand how this all works, that we can bring you in here and teach you and you'll be able to do this position well. So I took that position. I did it for two and a half years. And, you know, I loved IBC It was a great experience for me, the best company I could have ever started my, my career with. Um, so, you know, all the interviews, all the stress during a baseball season, during my senior year, was totally worth it. And again, all the downs that I had created the ups of me understanding that my future was in as being a business professional.
0: So That's it, awesome, man. Great. I love it. And I think, again, you know, going back to during during the baseball season, as you said, you know, some of these injuries while I'm no one ever wishes injury, like you're a really bad fan. Like, I hate the Eagles, man. I hate them so much, but I didn't want to see Carson Wentz get hurt. Like that just kind of sucks. Um, you know, I, apparently he took himself out of that playoff game. That's like a whole nother thing that we don't need to get too deep into, but, um, yeah, you see me. Yeah, there you go. You got it. You got me. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a whole nother thing, but you know, I never want to see anyone get hurt. And, um, but as you said, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. It allowed you to do all these other opera to have all these other opportunities, working with all these, um, you know, internships, which then that looks a lot better on your resume, included in on top of oh yeah, and I played you know college baseball at a Division One school. Oh, you happen to go there. Oh, let's talk about sports a little bit, and you could show that you had the experience on multiple different fronts, which I think is awesome, and. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of insurance, but that's awesome that they give you the opportunity to run a portfolio of $400 million. I'm sure it wasn't just you, but that's still incredible. And that experience, you normally, as you even said, you don't get that right out of college.
2: Yeah, it was it was really overwhelming at first, but it was one of those things, again, and that's how it felt the first day I got to LaSalle. And I realized that the guys that I was working out with and competing against me, the, the team, you know, I wasn't ready for that, but you have to prepare yourself and train as much as you can to get to that point. And that's how I felt my first job. So... Again, I I took a lot on really quickly, and it it was the best thing for me. Um, It was a great experience, and um, look, I think that like the way that business and sports work together, it's amazing because there's so many parallels, and it's really it's all about the attitude. Because you can be, I always say, like you can get a four O person that went to an Ivy League school, they have the best resume in the world, they're a genius, but if they don't know how to communicate the right way, they don't know how to be part of a team. I don't know if I want that person to be working with me because the team environment, especially for 76 capital, like that's the best part of working there is that our team is so close knit. We work so well together that I, I want people that are going to be able to fit into that and also provide creativity and, and something outside of the box. Like again, a GPA is great, but how, what does that really tell you? So
0: you can take tests.
2: Exactly. I mean
0: me, right? You could take tests or you can write papers. I mean, writing papers is probably more important than taking tests if we're being honest. Yeah like, and you know, Hey, I mean, it, it's difficult, right? Like getting a four O is impressive. uh, but I totally agree with you. You have to, there's so many other skills that go into a job and a career that while a four O is great. And unless you're going to be like a research scientist sitting by yourself all day in business, you're going to need to do a lot of those other things. As you said, work with a team, communicate effectively, um, be able to kind of be creative and have some fun along the way with it. So with, with that job at independence, I mean, What else did you do that kind of within that, that, you know, how, how much, how big of a team were you operating with? How much creativity were you allowed within this portfolio? Even if you were a little bit lower on the food chain, what were you, like, how big was that room for you to grow in those areas, especially at this first job?
2: Sure. So when I first started, it was four of us, um, and then six months in and I joined in in May uh, or June. So I joined, you know, right at the second half of the year. Um, six months later, right around Christmas time, uh, somebody that had been there for 20 plus years had retired. So, you know, one of the people that had kind of all the keys to the castle there had just decided to leave. And again, I was still just learning and getting in there. Um, so he left and I took on the majority of his responsibilities and, and amazing guy, very smart guy did not know how to use Excel. So you can imagine a corporate finance job without Excel and taking over that type of responsibility for somebody that had done it for 20 years, it was very, very overwhelming. Uh, You know, there was no equations in there. It was all typed out. So like you're doing like a 5 million times 27, like that was literally like, there's no equal sign in front of that. It's just 5 million times 27 equals whatever. So, you know, trying to decipher all that was difficult, but again, like it was something that I was able to take what was already there and, and be creative with it and say, look, you know, why are we doing it this way? We can use, this technology to change the way that we operate here we can cut out the middleman basically and and do things differently so you know i think that you know my boss at IBC was amazing his name is rich cage and just one of the, the best guys i know um he was just so helpful in, in everything i've done in my career thus far he let me again six months into my job uh, allowed me to do some things that most people can't do when they're 10 years in he allowed me to be creative and and make you know suggestions to executive vice presidents and kind of go into these meetings and, and again, try to change the way we do things because I just brought a different set of eyes, and I think that that's such an important thing. Is that especially in, you know, in big corporations, a lot of times you have a very stringent way of th- that things are done, and you know I, I love that. At, like at Seventy Six Capital, we're a small team, and we all are all basically on the same platform to give ideas and be creative, because you know just because someone's you know less experienced or you know It may not be they may not be even in a position that they're supposed to be doing that type of stuff they may have an idea that can change the way you operate completely so at IBC that was the best thing for me it's just to give be given the freedom to think creatively and then act on that so all everything I learned in that perspective like that helped me so much doing what I do now
0: that is awesome and yeah let's let's jump into what you do a little bit now how um how did you find wayne or or chad or jess like how how did you become a part of this team and start helping out the 76 capital um brand and company
2: yeah so it's one of the like the craziest things and people always say everything happens for a reason and that's something i try to live by especially with the baseball injuries and everything like that um you know I, i had been at ibc for two and a half years and i came to a point where I realized that, you know, sitting at a cubicle just wasn't for me. And I realized I needed to be more of the, you know, speaking to people, really being able to to just go out there and and spread basically the word. You know, I have a salesperson mentality. Um, And obviously I was doing corporate finance, which you you just really weren't able to kind of do that. So I realized that I wanted to do something that would take my skill set, take what I like to do and make me feel like I'm not working anymore. So I literally just happened to find the 76 Capital Chief of Staff job posting online. I applied for it didn't you know they look they were looking for somebody with an MBA or JD and I just hadn't had that at that point because I was pretty fresh out of school and I applied and you know part of the the submission for it was a two-page paper basically on the way you see athletes transcending the typical athlete that of the past so what are athletes doing now that they didn't do in the past that's going to make them better fiscally and just from a social perspective so I did an article or I wrote an art. I wrote a paper on an article I saw about Mikhail Bridges, who's actually a Philly guy. He actually went to prom with one of my good friends from college. So oh. while well, we're all there, but he took on a investment in him as opposed to a sneaker deal. So whereas somebody put $500,000 that was going to be put away for 10 years instead of getting, you know, a million dollars up front from another company to, for his likeness. And I thought that was unbelievable because if you told somebody in 2005 that they had the opportunity to kind of have an investment made in them, that they weren't going to get the money right away and it was less than somebody else going to give you up front, you know, most people would not even think about that. They would have just taken the money up front and ran with it and gone and bought a bunch of stuff. So to see a guy like Mikhail again, having, you know, meeting him, knowing how he is, it was awesome to be able to use that example to kind of get in the door at 76 and say, Hey, I understand this. No, I, I've worked in insurance for almost three years now, but I understand the sports business side from, you know, knowing enough people that have played professionally being through the college ranks myself. And so that kind of helped me get there. It's just that little article I wrote. And again, it was all from the heart, which I thought, I thought was like, you know, it, it didn't take me long to write because I felt like honestly what I was writing about. So it wasn't a fluff piece or anything. So, you know, I, it's funny. My first interview was actually on my birthday. It was a Sunday morning in Atlantic city, and, you know, obviously I had plans to go out for my birthday with friends and stuff. And I get a call from Chad Stender, who's our managing director. And he's like, James, can you meet us in AC tomorrow morning at 9am? And I live about an hour and 15 minutes away from AC. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to calculate that. So I have to be up by 630. What time should I go out? And, you know, should I even do any of this? So, you know, we, we went and got like a drink or two. And then I was like, I got to go home so I can mm-hmm. nail this biggest interview of my life, because all I wanted was to work at 76 Capital. And, Again, I never even thought i had the chance to interview because I didn't meet the criteria of a JD or MBA. Um, I drive down to AC, not really sure what to expect. And I walk in and I'm brought into a, a TV studio. And they were filming VSIN, which is one of our portfolio companies, which is a 24-7 sports betting network. And I remember just Wayne bringing me in there and I'm sitting down and it's Anthony Gargano and Michael Lombardi sitting there across from me. I give him a wave. I'm like, what the heck is going on right now? I was interviewing. I didn't think I was going to be on a TV show. So, you know, that's my first real experience is sitting in there, seeing what they're doing, talking about sports betting on a Sunday morning. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I can't admit, like, like this is just something Wayne's doing for fun It's to go here and watch these guys talk about sports betting. I was like, this is, this is a job. So, you know, so I ended up talking with Wayne I talked with Jessica, um, you know, after we kind of watched the live taping and, you know, we just talked about everything that's going on in sports. And it was really a general, general sports conversation at first. And then we started kind of bringing in the tech side. And, and I remember one of the first things Wayne asked me, you know, again, having played baseball, they were about to invest in a baseball company, which is diamond kinetics. And he's like, what do you think if I told you that we have a sensor that could have a radar gun, spin rate, everything in between in one ball. And it's only a hundred dollars. What would you say to that? Would you, was that, would you use that? Do you think it's valuable? And I was like, Wayne, if they had that when I was in high school, I probably could have gone somewhere besides LaSalle because every single time I pitched and I threw hard, there were six different radar guns telling you a different speed. So, you know, there's a need for that in the market. And a general person can't afford a $1,000 radar gun because first off, it's a ridiculous price for one. And there's a lot of people out there that literally just can't afford that. So it was really funny that the first, like that, it just clicked in my head. I was like, this is like a perfect industry, perfect company for me because they think kind of the same way I do. And, you know, again, the informal interview, I love that. Again, it was a Sunday that most people want to go and interview an hour and a half away on a Sunday. No, but I, it, it was, it was such a good experience. I was like, I, I just need to work at this place. So, and, and lucky enough, I, I had a good enough interview, according to them, and, and they brought me on. So I was completely shocked um, in the best way possible. And, you know, I've been here for about a year and a month now. So it's been a great ride so far.
0: Well, happy birthday, happy anniversary, all of it, man. I think that that's an awesome story, and and I mean, like, it's just a testament to the like how, I mean, for lack of a better term, how awesome you know all all you guys are. I mean, I've obviously had the opportunity to speak with multiple people from Seventy Six now, Wayne, Jessica, yourself, and uh, it's just it's everyone has that same air so everyone has that same you know positive mindset that just like hey we get to do this every day i don't care if it's sunday at nine o'clock i would love the opportunity to go to watch a Vison tv program right now for fun i mean i would do that for fun if you're telling me i can get paid to do that there's icing on the cake at that point so i think that's awesome did you get the opportunity to be on tv that day or did you just did you have to just sit kind of to the side
2: i sit. i sat to the side thank god i was not on tv at that time because you know, those guys are such experts on sports betting and they're so good at like taking that sports betting side and and morphing it to the, the football side, which was it was football season. So if I had tried to get on at that point, I would have sounded like an idiot. So I'm happy they didn't bring me on, but I'm hoping to be on v at some point in my life because, you know, Wayne and I go to Vegas a decent amount. And I love going to the South Point and sitting there in the studio, seeing Brent Musburger do his thing. I mean. I got to go for um, the afternoon football games. It was 4 p.m. game, so it was 1 o'clock in Vegas at the time when I just got there. I sit in there, and I see Brent Mossberger watching these games. And it's like, you know, let's just say it was Jordan Howard who ran the ball six yards. And he's like, wow, Jordan Howard with a six-yard run. Now the line has shifted a half point. And it's like, how does he know to take an X's and O's play and know how the line is going to shift exactly? So it's just – it was – it's so cool what they do and and to get to see that. And again, like you said, you would love to do that right now. And that's sometimes I just get that opportunity. So it's really like, is this work? Is it fun? Is it a mixture of both? And it's, it's awesome.
0: There's nothing wrong with loving your job, man. I think that's like, that's the best thing in the world. And yeah, of course, Uncle Brent, he knows what he's doing. We all love him. We all, we all have always loved Uncle Brent and it's uh, it's too funny. You know, he's, he's a funny guy. I do, I do love his stuff. And yeah, man, I just think it's so cool that the opportunity that you've, and you said lucky, but I mean, you very clearly earned it. I mean, again, like the opportunities and again, some things that seemed awful and horrible at the time, like your injuries ended up being blessings because then it led you down this path that led you to these opportunities. And now you're further ahead. You didn't need an MBA. You didn't need a JD and look where you are now. You're still doing what that, you know, what was expected of you anyway.
2: Exactly. And I think that's something that like, you know, I personally, I really try to preach the positivity aspect. And, you know, one of my favorite parts about this job is talking to a lot of potential, uh, you know, or candidates for that want to work at 76 capital, whether that's college mm-hmm. students, people that work elsewhere right now that are just really interested in this space. And look, we're a small team. We, we can't hire every single person as much as I'd love to. But the one thing I always tell every single person that reaches out, if they're a good person and they work hard, I will do whatever I can to help them get to the point they want to be at. Like I never really had somebody as in early on in college or anything. That's good. That helped me kind of find what I wanted to do. Um, again, I just, I had to do corporate finance cause that was my major. Um, but, again, that's not what I wanted to do. And again, it all worked out for me, but there may be another kid out there that's looking to get into this type of industry that just doesn't really know where they want to go yet. So that's, I feel like that's kind of my job and my responsibility to kind of help guide people to get to where they want to be and just use my network and and 76 Capital Network to help them do that. So it's a really rewarding piece of it. Um, And it's definitely, I think it's my favorite part of the job for sure.
0: That is awesome, man. And and tell us, um, you know, really appreciate that. Let Let me take a second there. Like, that is awesome. There's not a lot of people... There, I meet a lot of people that are like that, but I don't think the majority of planet Earth is like that. And I think you know now, hopefully, with everyone being quarantined and kind of stuck inside and having to reflect upon themselves and you know the people that they see and and the people that they aren't able to see now, I really do hope that that is one thing that does change from this. Is the opportunity that people understand, you know, it's good to help. You know, you should help everybody you can in any way, shape, or form. And that's obviously been a mindset of yours for a long time, as I've seen or as at least I've, as I've heard. So hopefully, more people adopt that mindset hopefully after people listen to this they realize you know it's not very hard to help uh, it's just a little extra time a little extra effort but the pleasure and the happiness that you get out of helping somebody else far outweighs that little bit of time a little bit of effort you know it's, it's especially if the person you're helping is truly madly deeply trying to do what they want to do or at least try and understand as you were saying, like you don't really know what you want to do in college. I had no freaking idea. Um, yeah. But now I know exactly what I want to do, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep going hard at it. So we'll see what happens. But we, we appreciate you for what you do, man.
2: Appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, look, one introduction could change somebody's life. And, and it, literally, it's nobody knows. So why not try? Mm-hmm. And why not just do your best to, to you know, leverage the networks and see what happens?
0: Keep on keeping <laughs> on. And so what, um, I know what you guys do because, I, again, I've talked to Wayne. I've talked to Jess. I've talked to you guys for a little while. But what exactly does 76 Capital do?
2: so it's it's a question I get a lot, and I love explaining it because you know we're a venture capital firm. You know that's that's the the crux of it. We are a venture capital firm. We invest in early stage companies in the sports field. So that's esports, sports betting, and general sports tech. So that could be media, fan engagement, data analytics. But my favorite way to say this is that we're more than just a venture capital firm. Um, you know we we partner with a sports marketing agency called Rubicon Talent in New York City. Uh, they have some of the biggest names in the NFL, Manuel Sanders. Mark Ingram, Greg Olson to name a few. And, you know, so we work with top level athletes. We have an athlete venture group ourselves, which consists of Brian Westbrook, DeMarco Murray, and Ralph Sampson. Um, And those guys are investors in our fund, but they're also guys who have an appetite to learn more about investments, finance, entrepreneurship. So we kind of give them a crash course in how that all works. And then they go and help our companies grow faster than they would be because they have the backing of big name athletes like them. So it's a really unique relationship where we work with them. They work with us. They work with our companies and everybody benefits from it. So since they're investors in our fund, the better our companies do, the better their return will be. Um, We also kind of get those guys speaking engagements to talk about their path from being an athlete to being an entrepreneur, which I think is, you know, if you ever hear Brian Westbrook talk and there's, you know, we'll be putting a lot of videos in the next few weeks about this, you know, some of the stuff, content we've had that, again, Not much we can do right now with sports, but we can share some of the highlights that we had from the past. Brian has an amazing story of being an underdog the entire time and not being sure where he's going to go play college football. Next thing you know, he's a 4 string running back for the Eagles. Then next thing you know, he's the best running back in Eagles history. So he takes all the stuff he learned from football and talks about how he became an entrepreneur and he started a horse farm and how he wanted to work with sports companies like us. And I mean, I love talking to a football company and calling up Brian and be like, Hey Brian, you want to jump on a call with me? He's like, heck yeah, man. Love to like, give me, give me the pitch deck. Tell me a little bit more about the entrepreneur. Like he asked all the right questions. So it's really cool to work with these guys and then work with the companies in turn and help everybody benefits from it. So you know, we look for very early stage companies. So we like to get in an early stage to help those companies as much as possible. Um, our network is extremely expansive and, and that's in every facet of sports and not even just sports. Um, for example, we are esports company, Nerd Street Gamers. We helped bring them their last two lead investors, which is Comcast and Five Below. And, and those are through, and the Five Below part, again, having worked there, it was pretty cool to see some executives that I had worked with, you know, kind of being in the same room as me now talking about a whole other thing. So it kind of all comes full circle with the relationships you make. Um but it's, it's really cool the way we work with our companies. We're such an active investor. Like My favorite part of the job besides helping people and, and from the portfolio side is just working with our entrepreneurs on a daily basis, whether that's finding new partnerships, announcing some of the exciting things that they're doing, whatever it is, just to talk with those really smart people that are really passionate and want to just drive their business forward. Um, it, it's a really rewarding job.
0: And I appreciate that. And and it's also fun to listen and, and talk to you because you're so passionate, right? You, that's what you like to do most. And the reason why I love this podcast and, you know, all podcasts that I get to do is I love listening to someone who is super passionate about what they do. I don't know how venture capital works and I don't think I'm ever going to know how venture capital works, but I'll sit here and listen to you. I'll sit here and listen to Wayne and Jess. I'll listen to you guys talk all day just because the energy that flows through you to me is so enjoyable and it's so much fun. And I do get to learn. Don't get me wrong. Wayne explained how venture capital works a little bit and uh, I got, I got some information. So again, if you haven't listened to that one, go back, listen to Wayne's episode. He's incredible. Jess's episode. She's incredible. And, it's just fun to listen to, as you said, you know, that's your, one of your favorite things to do is just hear how passionate and excited these people are to bring their products to market. And, uh, I mean, I can listen to you guys talk all day just about you being passionate about helping these other people that are passionate about bringing their products to market. So I appreciate that.
2: I appreciate you. I mean, look, that's, we're in a unique position and and this is a, an industry, honestly, I didn't even know existed is the sports tech venture capital world. I mean, you know, there's not many people in it, and luckily that we are one of the bigger firms in the space. And it's really educating people that there are really exciting companies in this space out there. I mean, there's a lot of VCs and, and PE firms investing in FinTech, AgTech, a little bit of everything. And you know, that's great, but we see this huge opportunity over the next 10 years where sports is dominating everything. And right now we're at a time, the craziest time ever where there's no sports on right now. And yet all people are talking about a sports and when they're going to come back and how it's going to be different. And we're right in the middle of that. I mean, look, this is a tough time for some of our portfolio companies, but I'll tell you what, every single one of those guys and all of the employees are figuring out what they're going to do as soon as this gets back to normal, which is all we can ask for. And, and that's like, uh, you know, our motto was working with smart and nice entrepreneurs and you need to work with smart and nice entrepreneurs or else they're going to cower in a situation like this when things get tough. So it's awesome to see everybody thinking the right way. You know, we're always there to help them. You know, we get on calls at 9 p.m. at night or 10 p.m. on a Saturday. It doesn't matter. We want to help these guys out as much as possible because, again, we may be able to provide an idea that they weren't thinking of and, and, and same way for them. So it's, it's crazy in the best way possible.
0: And you get to deal with sports, man. As we say, like that, you you, sometimes that's nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, you're in a Thin studio listening to Brent Musburger on, on why he thinks the Raiders are going to win or why he thinks the Eagles are going to do what they're going to do. So, I mean, again, it's, it's stuff that a lot of people would do for free or, or pay to do. Now you get paid to do it. Um, and not too many people get those opportunities. So congratulations on that, man. So I saw your job title as chief of staff. Um, I think I know what a chief of staff is and I'm pretty sure you do way more than just be the chief of staff. So I guess if you don't mind giving us a little insight on, I guess, what you do and um, yeah, I'll I'll just leave, I'll leave that there.
2: Yeah. And the funny thing is when I applied for the job and then I actually got the job, I walked in my first day and had no idea what I was going to be doing. I I had zero clue. I just knew I wanted to work in this industry and work for this company and work for Wayne and Chad and Jess. And so it was, it was kind of a shell shock to me when I learned what I was actually going to be doing. Uh, So You know, my real role, and it has changed since I started, um, is really to be that middleman between 76 Capital and all the interesting people we could potentially work with out in the sports and the financial industry. So, you know, I run our strategic partnership, so I try to find unique people to work with. Um, I have our investment team, so we see about 150 deals a month, which, you know, I had a call with somebody yesterday, and I told them that, and they were like, are you freaking serious? How do you handle that? That's an amazing deal flow. And, I mean, I say look, we, our marketing team is great. They got our branding out there. People know that we're investors in sports tech and they want to, they want us to invest with them. So that's a testament to our whole team there. Um, And then, you know, as of this last week, Jess actually just left us to go work at Intel capital, which congrats to Jess. She's amazing and she's going to kill it there. Um, But I took on a little bit of the marketing strategy as well. So I'm excited to kind of, you know, put our messaging out there in in new and exciting ways and, and really just continue what Jess did, which was amazing. So I do a little bit of everything and I love it that way. I mean, every day is crazy. Every day is different. But again, coming from a a lifestyle where I was sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day, I would take this any day of the week because, again, I can be passionate, I can be creative, and I can really help this organization grow, which is my favorite thing I've been able to do is introduce us to the right people and, and do really fun things. And keep
0: doing your thing, man, because you're clearly doing a great job at it. And I think it's really funny, you know, whenever you talk about, you know, title job titles, once you're down to a very small team, job titles don't mean anything. It's just whatever needs to get done, man. We have to do it. Yeah. Sure. James, your chief of staff, whatever. sounds good. Just make sure you're doing the marketing too. Right. So it's kind of funny. Um, I've always found that, especially in small teams, it's yeah, we all can have our titles, but none of it really matters. We just need to get the work done.
2: I mean, whoever's going to be, you know, Intellectually curious, that's all that matters. If you want to think differently and do something outside of your job title, then go do it. I mean, and if somebody's prohibiting you from doing that, you may not be working at the right place. So you should be wanting to be creative and wanting to go and, and do things differently and change the way everybody operates because everybody has a unique perspective and it's really about bringing those together to create the best work environment and the best success for the company.
0: Best success for the company, best success for your portfolio companies. I love it, man. And then, so you touched upon it a little bit with working with professional athletes, which I just think is so cool. And you did, as you said, you kind of had, you dabbled in a little bit because you did play division one college baseball. So it's not like this is a shock to the system or anything, but being, I'm assuming uh, a Philly guy and Eagles and Phillies and all that. And now you're working with the Brian Howards of the world, the Ralph Sampson's of the world. um, You know, Brian Westbrook, uh, you already talked about. So what, what is it like, um, what are those first few conversations like and now what have you learned from these athletes over time that you can kind of take for yourself I guess less on you know the fanboy side more on like the the work ethic and the entrepreneurial side
2: yeah it's funny I mean look again I'm a diehard Philly sports fan so the first time I met Brian Westbrook actually it was at Madison Square Garden and him and I were playing in a three-on-three basketball tournament together. So what's up about my friends being jealous of me is when he posted a picture on his Twitter and Instagram of me and him at Madison Square Garden with the basketball in our hands. I mean, that was a pretty, it was like my second week of work. It was an awesome way to kind of get to meet him in an informal manner and really just kind of build a relationship. But the biggest thing that I, I've learned and I just have always kind of thought of is to, you know, athletes don't want to be treated like they're scots for the most part. I mean, again, there's certain people that have different personalities, yeah. but They don't want to talk about, you know, people always said at Westbrook, you know, this game in 2007 when he took a knee instead of, you know, running the end zone when there's still 30 seconds left on the clock and either won them a fantasy game, lost them a fantasy game, whatever it is. Like, you know, he hears that story 30 times a day. My whole thing is always try to talk about family, business, those types of things that like I would have with my friends, I'd have with you, like those types of conversations. And then obviously sports are going to get brought in the mix there. So it's really just trying to have a natural and organic conversation with these guys, because again, everybody wants to talk to them about their careers and about what they've done. It's just how do you relate to them and how do they relate to the general public? Because these guys are such important people. Um, So it's really, for me, I just really, really like to have conversations about just life. And it's funny, like Brian and I, we went to an Eagles, it was Eagles lions, like week six, I think this year. And it was my girlfriend and I, and then him and his wife and his three kids. And we were just sitting in there, obviously watching the game, talking about the game, but also he has his three-year-old son to sit on my lap and we're just, I'm teaching him stuff about football. And it's just like, we were all sitting there, like we are friends and that's how it should be. And I think that, again, it's really taking that fanboy side away from things, especially in this industry and really just relating to those people. And it's a cool way to kind of be able to talk about the sports side because obviously we're fans too, but, you know, really just bringing the business side as well.
0: It is – every once in a while i'm still i'm sure you might not say it out loud but you probably get a little absolutely yeah i was gonna say every once in a while but you keep that to yourself right
2: i've gotten to meet some some of the idols i had when i was a kid and again i'm sure the look on my face too when it happens you can tell but it's also trying to internalize that because trying to be professional and again it, it all it all works out the right way as long as you handle it the right way. And that's, that's the thing I've learned is just try to say the right things and, and be quiet until I'm kind of called upon in certain situations. So um, it, it's really been cool to be able to kind of meet some really cool people. And my favorite thing about working with athletes too is finding out that there's so much more than just the athlete that they were on the field and that they're really, really smart, really, really good people, great families. Like I love to kind of just learn the true – the true backstories on all these guys. I mean, it's, it's really, really exciting and it really just makes you appreciate the success they had on the field that much more.
0: That's awesome, man. It is so cool. And again, like you get to do all this stuff, right? You get to hang out with Brian Westbrook on a Sunday. And if I'm not mistaken, the Eagles actually lost that game to the it Lions. They did lose
2: that game. It nice. was, uh, yeah.
0: Well, that was the Miles Sanders, like his helmet got ripped off and they didn't yeah. call the uh, um, they didn't call the face mask somehow.
2: We can oh, talk wow. about missed, missed calls for the Eagles a lot. If you that could be a whole other podcast, I think if you want to talk we could about We can talk that.
0: about missed calls for everybody. Come, come <laughs> yeah, in, I'm just
1: kidding. I'm just
0: I know, kidding. I know. busting shots, man. You're good. Um and what like how how did you like obviously you're a smart dude. You're we're not messing around here. And like how did you learn so much? And what was it like learning on the job, learning about startups, learning about venture capital, learning about investing? Some of it you obviously knew coming from corporate finance, so it's not like this foreign, you know, these numbers don't come out of nowhere. But what was it like, especially over this last year? Like how much has your knowledge base increased, especially because you get to learn about it within the sports realm so you can kind of get that passion and juices flowing a little bit more?
2: Yeah, it's, it's really been a crash course. Uh, I mean, look, when I first started again at, at IBC and in the insurance industry, I had to learn the insurance industry, which was really hard to learn the insurance industry and then also the investment side of things as well there. So, kind of working at 76, at least I understand the sports industry. So, having that side of things kind of figured out already has really, really helped. And then, you know, for the investment side and the, and the venture capital world is very, very unique. I mean, it's very unique, and every single firm is different. So, for me, I've had to ask, you know, thank you, Chad Stender, for asking everyone, answering every single one of my questions that I asked because I asked him so many questions, and it's just been so helpful. Um, but really, it's just been sitting in all meetings you know, thinking about the questions that Chad, Wayne, Jess, all of them were asking. And then, you know, writing that down, doing my research, continuing to ask questions to them. And then finally just under, it all kind of came together. I'll never forget it happened in in the fall this year, probably, you know, September, October, when it just hit me of how kind of the entire ecosystem around venture capital works of how we fundraise of how we invest that money, how it all works. And since then, you know, again, I still have so much to learn, but I feel so much more confident when I can go talk to potential investors, talk to athletes, talk to companies. And it's been amazing, but it really just took hard work, you know, hitting the books a little bit and really just asking a ton of questions. And that's the one thing I can recommend to anybody. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it is sports or whether it is business or whatever job you're trying to do, ask questions. And again, if somebody's not going to answer your questions, then you probably have the wrong boss or in the wrong industry because you're only going to get better by asking the right questions and trying to find out the things that you don't know. So that's, that's my one really big thing I'd stress. Cause again, Chad can attest to this, that I ask a ton of questions. So.
0: Hey man, you got to do that. I think, as you said, like any industry you're in, if you, you kind of have to ask questions to get by, like not even get by to get better and to, can you continue to succeed? And as you said, if your your boss or your people ahead of you, above you aren't willing to answer your questions, you're probably in the wrong place. And it sounds like, Hey man, I hope you have more questions and you learn more. Cause I think it'll be kind of fun. And it, 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 you can really hear again that like, how passionate and excited you are. Uh, and I'm sorry, you know, obviously with this quarantine and everything that's going on, it kind of sucks, but I know the eSports side of everything is getting, you know, even crazier. We've seen some of the numbers that have come out, whether it's, you know, Verizon saying, you know, streaming's up 75% or whatever it is and uh, front office sports coming out and saying how, much more, how many more people are um, loading up Twitch and, and being on there, you know, just those numbers are pretty cool. And I, so I know you guys aren't standing still, uh, but hopefully... Sooner rather than later, I think it's a hashtag sports will be back and uh, yeah. we'll get there.
2: Yeah, look, in the esports side of things, it really excites me. I mean, I grew up a huge gamer. I mean, it's funny, my parents used to freak out at me. Uh, we got an Xbox 360 in seventh grade. I was playing Halo 3 until late night, which was like 10 o'clock in middle school. But, um, you know, I was on there, loved it. That's all I would do on the weekends. And it's like, thank God I played traditional sports as well because I get out of the house. Otherwise, I would have just been sitting there and playing all day, all night with my friends. But to see the way that the, the video game and esports industry has grown in just the last three years, let alone 10 years is, is insane. And, you know, for me, I think it's such a huge opportunity for us. And I love working in the space because the people are unique in the best way possible. It's, it's a very fun industry to work in. Everybody's very friendly and just creative and passive. Uh, yeah. Very, very passionate about it. Um, they also like the, the, the creativity and how quickly it's growing is because of the people. Um, so I'm sure everybody has seen the 2k tournament on ESPN. I mean, they threw that together in a week. I mean, and look, there's good things and there's bad things about it, but the fact that they're able to kind of do that and get the audience that they have that quickly, it just shows that esports are a real thing and a real viable option for kids to go to play in college. I mean, there's 180 plus college scholarships out there for kids to go play collegiate esports. I mean, I put on a 35 man roster at LaSalle. We had seven scholarships to give out for 35 man roster and there's, Double that for most esports teams, so mm-hmm. it's a real opportunity for kids to get there and get college paid for and do what they love to do, which is play video games. I mean, it's such an opportunity. There's so much um, innovation that's going to be done in the industry, and right now, it really is the, the best time ever to do it because nobody else has anything to do, really. So it's like, how can we be creative with esports? And you know, I I think ESPN on Sunday had 12 hours of esports content, and I mean, that is if if you told somebody that last year. They would have thought you're crazy. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: my favorite thing is talking to an investor. And you know, some of these investors tend to be on the older side of things. And they ask me about the esports because they understand sports betting, they understand general sports tech. They don't understand esports. They say, you know, my grandson sits in sits in our basement and plays Xbox for 10 hours. Like, how is that a career? And I say, Your grandson hasn't done this yet, but there was a 16-year-old kid that won $3 million playing Fortnite last year. So if you want your, your son or grandson to potentially have that opportunity, maybe you should let them keep playing a little bit. And, you know, it's, look, again, there's, there's a healthy way to kind of of do this. Um, You can't play for 15 hours straight. That's not healthy to do anything. Um, So I think a big part of the education of esports is around saying, Hey, you know, I played baseball in college. We played, we practiced and played for eight hours a day because that was our job. In eSports, if you're trying to play at the highest of levels, you need to practice the same way you would for another sport, and that may be seven, eight hours a day. Obviously, you can't do that in a straight way. You have to also work out mentally and physical health. Mental and physical health is such an important piece of eSports, and I think that's developing and it's getting better. But it's really just saying, hey, if you're going to be the best at Fortnite, you have to play a lot of Fortnite. I mean, you don't just become the best at baseball or football or basketball by just sitting there and playing for two hours at a time. Like, you really have to work at it and strategize and do all of that. So – that's really the next step of esports becoming even more and more of a viable option for the general public. And I think it's really, this, uh, this pandemic has really accelerated that, that growth.
0: hundred percent. I think that is, that is absolutely the one thing that's going to come out of it. Everybody's got a podcast and everybody realizes esports is a real thing at this point. So, um, man, James, this has been absolutely fantastic. Last question I got for you. Are you going to own 76 Capital? Or are you going to start your own 76 Capital? What's, what's 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 20 30 years down the road look like for you? you
2: know, my goal really is to be a partner one day. Um, I love I just love this industry. I love the people we work with, and if I could just continue on this path to really just be able to to make a difference, and you know, I, I love talking to entrepreneurs and trying to figure out the next companies we're going to invest in, and that's something I just want to be able to keep on doing. And um, you know, this team we have is really special, and it makes this job again, I'm working in sports, which is awesome in itself, but then to get to work with the team I'm working with is, is just icing on the cake there. So hopefully I can continue to work and you know, I could be Wayne one day. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the goal right there. So
0: <laughs> he's, a, he's a good guy to emulate a uh, good guy to want to become. Uh, he's just such a nice, just awesome, awesome human being. I've seen him speak multiple times in person. I've been able to meet him in person. And obviously I was able to have him on the show as well. And he's just such a great dude. You got You got some good people on your team. So one last time, James Santor, chief of staff, I guess, at 76 Capital, doing whatever needs to be done. Uh, James, really appreciate your time today, man.
2: Thank you very much, Michael. Be safe out there.
0: Thank you all for listening to this episode with James. As I said, he was an absolute blast to get to talk to and listen and, and just hear what he's up to and how he's doing it. I'm so, so grateful that I got this opportunity. So please make sure to follow him and 76 Capital on all of their socials. Everything is in the show notes. Please also make sure to give us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you're using because that would really help us spread these stories just a little bit further and wider. Thank you so much for your time. That's the only thing we don't get more of, so I appreciate you giving me some of yours, and I hope you make it a wonderful day. Yes.